Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio. Hello, 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 everyone out there in the world. This is Helena Steiner-Hornstein with the Above and the Beyond, my regular Tuesday afternoon show. Of course, I'm in Europe and it's being sent live from Spain. It is 9 o'clock in the evening or 2100 hours, as we say, and it's getting to be a little bit uh, dark outside and it's... Uh, uh, cooling off a little bit. It's been a hot day. And today I have with me as my guest, yet one more time, James Tucker. And I know James Tucker is waiting there. Hello, James. Hello, my dear Helena. And everyone. uh, (laughs) We have people, as I said, uh, we never know quite how many, but we get a, a certain response from all the downloads and also from the emails. I see we have people all over the world listening to us right now. So um, it could be at all kinds of different time zones. And uh, you, James, are in Florida, and uh, I have been following, of course, I have my home in Florida, so I have been calling up to my neighbors and asking them how, how it all looks like with the tropical storm. How is it with you? Are you okay from the tropical storm, Faye? I'm okay. Uh, just all this past night and morning, um, we had much rain, about 12 inches, and the wind was blowing in gusts of 15, 60 miles an hour. But I, my building is safe and um, got a little wet down around, around the patio door. But uh, other than that, uh, and having some palm fronds to clean up later, <laughs> everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. I know um, I've been in, in quite a few hurricanes by now. And once I was on a boat, actually that was on my honeymoon years ago, and we were on, on my husband's then 105-foot yacht. And we docked it in Palm Beach. We didn't know if the hurricane was coming, and we docked the, the boat at the docks. And, of course, all other boats were gone. This was off-season. This was in June. And... You know, the storm was so, the pressure somehow of the wind with the rain was so powerful, it somehow came through the walls. I cannot explain. It was just coming through. It was like water was coming right through the wall, not in the seams or anything, but through the wall. Absolutely Mm. amazing. But we survived it, and the boat survived it, and uh, everything was fine. So um, uh, there we go. I hope we will not have any more storms in Florida. It's not a nice thing. And if you haven't been in one, you don't realize how serious it actually is. It's scary. It really is. So anyway, we are here. We're going to talk about love and good things and how to celebrate life. And you are the right one for that. I always feel you have a a good word to say about whatever, you know. You know, we were trying starting to talk. Well, thank you for saying that. And you know, I'm just a thought came to my mind. Um, uh, maybe the, a theme to talk about today. If you don't have one yourself, I have one. You want yes, to hear it? tell me what what would you like to speak about today, James? What is it? What makes a winner in life? 
It's very good. What makes someone a winner in life? That is uh, what we, not, of course, would like to be, all of us. And some are aiming at it so hard and then don't get that. What is stopping them? You know what, what I believe is the main thing that makes us a winner in life? Yeah, tell me. Finish what we start. If you're going to run a race, uh, which is more important, to finish the race or whether you win or lose that particular race? That's beautiful. You see that in the marathon uh, races where you have maybe someone who is much older or not as strong and how they come in like hours later, but they still finished it. They finished the and race. they made it. They finished you know, the if race. you don't finish what you start, you'll never win anything. No. You know what? That's because life basically a, a principle. It's based on the principle of odds because there is a certain amount of chance in life. And it's kind of like in Las Vegas. If you throw the dice enough times, every so often, you'll hit the jackpot. But if you continue to play for a long period of time, you'll lose your shirt. You know yeah. why? You know why? Oh, tell me why. Because the house has the edge. The odds are in their favor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the universe, the odds are in the favor of the earth side. And until you are able to, like, take care of the, the crop in the garden and see it through to completion after it comes up and then reap the harvest, um, you will not be a winner in life if you don't take care and finish what you start. You know, that's very good, of course, and you come up with all those simple little facts that are, you know, we all believe we have heard it before and that's nothing to listen to, but, oh, no, listen to this and follow it. It's absolutely so true. How many times have we not started to write that book or, or to started to do something special and we haven't finished it? Right. We and got you know what, started what, what, with something else. You know what we, what happens when we when we don't finish that or that project or that idea? It the odds are stacked two to one against us of success, and it makes us a loser. Yeah, why is it two to one? <clears throat> because it's like the same thing. Here, there's only three things you can do with energy: that of something that you have a, a project or a mission of something that you want uh, in life and that you want to do. It's let's go back to the garden. It's my favorite thing, you know. Yeah. And if you have a plot of ground and you don't you don't prepare the soil uh, and you don't plant the cause, the flowers or the fruits or the vegetables that you want that make you happy or healthy, what will happen to that plot of ground? Weeds will come in, take over, and choke it out. And you don't have yeah. to plant it. That's the yeah. negativity of life, see? All right, but then the second choice you have when you have that plot of ground is you prepare the soil. You kind of know what you want. you got to know what you want in life, you know. And you plant the seeds in an orderly manner. And then just about the time they're beginning to show themselves and give birth and um, begin to grow and all that, you get sidetracked or stuck on something else or you neglect the crop, those little plants. Then what happens, yeah. to, the, what happens to the garden at that point? The flower well, it the, goes, yeah. The, the, it dies, and then the weeds come in again and take over. Yeah. Okay? And that's also the way it is in a marriage. You know, two people get married and they uh, don't prepare the ground for it properly and they just expect everything, you know. They, they, they just throw in, you know, plants in there and seeds there, but they don't take care of it. Right. And then it goes to parts. That's it. Uh, and they give up on it. Yeah, but what did you say? They give up on it or they get sidetracked on something else. 
Yeah, of course. But then it's easier to look on the other side of the of the river, so to say, it's cleaner on the other side, and go there instead. Right. All right. Now the third thing in the garden, if you plant, you prepare the soil, you plant the seeds, and you care for them as they give birth, and help them to establish strong roots and grow and bloom and bear fruit. That's the the other choice. See. And that is the one that's the winner, and the reason it's a winner is because you saw it through to completion and you finished what you start. Yeah. You, you know, it? that's so uh, good. Uh, you know, when I, and we talked about it last time, that when you finish something new or when you start something new, make a list. Follow your list. Go through the list and finish it. Right. And I think that, you know, what you do, the whole key is to put the odds of success in life, whether you win or lose a particular project, is to finish it. Yeah. And if, if you don't finish it, you, you're, it makes you a loser in life. And you never win anything, and then you give up and you get frustrated. And then yeah. you're at the mercy of the world, and you're living by the head rather than by the heart and spirit. So well, that's, that's um, it's something to really think about out there to finish it. and. I do see it also in my life. I see it in, in, in other people's lives. And how many have not started something? And I heard those things, well, I started that, but it didn't work out. And why did it not work out? Because they didn't pursue it. Because That's it. you are bound to have some difficulties when you start something. It's not easy. You know, it's like your plant. You have to get rid of the weeds. You have to water your plant. And you have to, have to take care of your garden. <laughs> You know, the now, three important things that ever happened to us in life is first being born as a human on Earth. The, you know, think about the alternatives. Um, we have all the rights and privileges and honors vested at birth to live a long and happy and healthy and prosperous life. And then the second most important thing after having that in us and being alive on Earth as human is finding our true purpose and our destiny and our place in this world. And then the third is to create a family to share it with. Yeah. See, here's the thing. Life is kind of like a race, the human race. Eh? And, yeah. um, and, if, and when, when we start that race, the, whatever it is that we want to do, you don't give up on it until you reap the harvest. Yeah. And I also say that, you know, life is driving on, on a highway. And you start driving there, but then there are obstacles, or there are those who are slower than you are, you have to pass them. And then sometimes people are really fast to the point that, they, that you know, you're in their way. Well, step aside a little bit, let them pass, and maybe yeah. when they will have a crash or accident somewhere. But you do your speed and you do your thing. And uh, I feel uh, the idea there is that when you go on the highway, you always know where you're going. You have a goal. All right. So uh, it's the same idea. That is your life. <laughs> uh, when I have um, people coming to my seminars, the first thing I let them do is to pull out a piece of paper and write down what they would like to get out of the seminar or what is the main thing they would like to get out of the seminar. <clears throat> and most people really would like to know, as you said, the purpose. Why am I here? Why am I stuck in this life? Where, why is this and that? Why am I here? What is my plan? 
So that is what really most people would like to know. They want to know because they see other people are doing things that maybe they seem to be happy with, and, and they are not happy where they are. That's it. You know, there's three basic types of people in this world from this point of view we're talking about. They're philosophers, scientists, and artists. And the philosopher is the humanitarian, like yourself, Helena, who mm -hmm. ponders life's mysteries and wants to teach and write and heal the world and its people. Um, then the scientist is the one that uses his intellect or hers and analysis to reach conclusions and draw the bottom line. And the artist is the visionary who gets a picture in the heart and mind and then proceeds to create the vision on canvas and clay or other three-dimensional forms. Yeah. One of the things I always ask people, and I says, which are you? What do you love? Are you on the right track? Yeah. And if not, the single most important thing you could do with your life would be discover your true basic nature, what you just said, and begin to move your life forward toward it. You've got to be going in the right direction if you want to get someplace. Yeah. So uh, we would say then that the scientists are the left-brainers and the artists are the right-brainers and the philosophers are the two brains mixed together. Would that fit in? <laughs> I, I see it as the, um, the scientists are the left brain, the philosophers, the, the love. Philo means love, and that's from the heart, see? And I see the artist from the soul. It's the vision. It's the... The the artist doesn't always have to be just creating, you know, physical three-dimensional forms in whatever medium is chosen. But I see the people that are closest to God as the artists in this world because they are they're bringing up those visions and they're letting spirit speak for them and through them. And then the the philosopher then is able to take the words and the feelings and the humanitarian goals and then help other people to find a better way of life, see? Um, where the artist is the original creative person that creates the original. The philosopher yeah. is the one that um, takes the, the knowledge and the love of wisdom and the love of people and humanity and wants to heal the world. And then the uh, True. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about also that so many of us usually are a combination of, you know, many of these. We are maybe the philosopher and artist in one, you know, a bit of each. And the scientists sometimes, and I met many scientists, and they have been very much into the spirituality and the creation as well, but they were able to put it down on paper, which they wouldn't have been able to do as an artist in a formula. Right. You know, I, I'm not a doctor. I don't have a medical background, but I know about spiritual healing. And, you know, I've, I figured out what, what makes people, why most people get Alzheimer's. Yeah, Why? I'd like to know, why do people, people get Alzheimer's? People that live in their left brain that are analytical, mm -hmm. and it's like mm -hmm. a computer, the left brain, and after a lifetime of filling that left brain with analytical data, if it does, if the person does not have a access and know how to sense things and go to the philosopher side and the love side and the heart side, uh, and they live by the ways of the world, the computer begins to break down in the brain cells. There's no room for any other, any other data. 
and the, the mind then begins to b burn out, just like a computer would burn out when the memory gets filled up. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting theory. That's an interesting thought. You See, know, um, uh, with I, Alzheimer's, I have worked, uh, I cannot say directly, but indirectly with Alzheimer's people. Uh, they have been quite severely affected by it. And I've done that long distance through a member of their family. And I could communicate telepathically quite well with these Alzheimer's people. They, just like you do with someone who's already dead, you know, brain dead, who's on the other side. And I can speak to them also in the same way. So it's not the actual brain that I'm speaking to. It's more on a soul level. But they're still aware of, of what's going on around them on a soul level, which I find extremely interesting. That's and awesome. they could, I had a case where a woman who was actually, she couldn't communicate with her family at all, with the words or anything, but the family wanted to know what had happened to a piece of jewelry of hers. And she told me that a nurse had stolen it. Frankly, just like this. And, and I said this to the members of the family, and they checked out with the clinic. And yes, indeed, there had been a nurse who had been stealing things at the clinic, and they had fired her. Hmm. But this I could find out telepathically from this Alzheimer patient. So there is a way. It need not be that we can communicate, as you know, only through, this, through, through our brains and through using a telephone and everything else. No, there is something called the soul communication, the ESP, or, or what you should call it. And that is what we're using also when we're mediums. So we talk to people on the other side, you know, the ones who once lived here but now are in, in, in spirit, how I talk to them the same way. <laughs> mm. And uh, there we get the visions. It's not that I get the exact words, but I just get almost like a vision with the words coming in with it. Mm. So um, it's an interesting part of ourselves that we have access to and how can we do that well just start to listen listen in tune in and i can hear how people out there are saying how 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 do i do that and i just like you say uh, james through love through your heart just take your time and just <clears throat> relax and allow your heart to speak you know uh, a healthy mind thinking about the left brain um, a healthy mind has loving thoughts. Did you know that? Not fearful ones? Yeah, I noticed that. You know, it's really true. When you're happy and well, you have nice thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the mind, a healthy mind is the storehouse of positive thoughts and happy thoughts. And the heart is the storehouse of feelings and desires and the senses. And the soul is the storehouse of passions. And, you know, people that uh, are motivated, motivation to change and to, to take action does not come from thought. It comes from feeling and passion. And it comes yeah. from our inner self. That's yeah. the motivation. It's the heat in us. It's the desire. See? Yeah. Thought is just, uh, I would almost define mind as a combination of thought and uh, and feelings and emotions. It's the process, you know, of, of all this instead of 
you know, just like a place in your brain or in your heart or where it would be located, according to some people. I would call it more the combination of, of, of this actual process of, of what is going on within us when you know, we activate ourselves. If you look at the great visionaries and healers and creative people and artists that have lived and live in this world and contribute to the positive progression of life, it was all possible or it's all possible because of passion. They have a focus and they have the vision that comes up. And that's what I see in you so much. You have well, a wonderful <laughs> example of passion for Thank life you. and focus. Yeah, you know, you really have to love what you do, and you have the same, you know, James, that you uh, you have that passion. And, and uh, when we have been working at the same events together, I've seen you on your wall where you have been and I've been on my wall, and you just sit there passionately working and, and talking to people, and so do I. And there is no ending for us. We just keep on going till we're thrown out of the room. <laughs> this is life at its best. <clears throat> yeah. And you know, we do what we love doing, and this is what people have to do to be successful. The, also, passion is the supreme fuel. It keeps us all going. Yeah. And it, and it brings our rewards. You know. And you know, I think that when you have passion, um, you know, I think that humanity, that the basic principle of humanity is based on respect, where you have to have self-respect, and you get self-respect by making wise choices in this world, instead of saying yes, 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 all the time to everybody, and sometimes you want to say no, you're lying to God, yourself, the other person, messes you up inside. So when yeah. you say no, then you get respect, because people do not respect a person that says yes all the time. Yes, a yes person. No, that's a sign of weakness. And yes, yes you can get so-called superficial friends that way when you don't make waves. That's but it. I notice you get many more words of respect afterwards when you stand up for what you believe in. Well, and there are too you, many you, people who don't do that out there. Well, how about nine out of ten? <laughs> Is that how how the number would be? About that's a lot. Nine out of ten people that really have that courage to say, to yeah. tell the truth and tell it like it really is. Yeah. Um, and yet, uh, 20 years ago, I only saw about five out of 100, like one out of 20. So we're it's growing, you know. Yeah. And what you're doing out there in the world and with all the work you do and the truth that you put out, that that's, that's raising the consciousness even though you may not even know it. And you know, you but I do know it. This is the purpose of of my life and I know it's the purpose of your life and it's the purpose of this particular show and of this particular Sedona talk radio station to raise the consciousness of this planet because I really believe that this happens and I have been out there in places in countries and uh, in in locations and the first time I got there it was like oh, hard to work through everything it was you know I had some resistance and then I come back a year later, and the organizers have told me, you know, since you have been here, something has switched. And I noticed that also, something has switched, and you don't have that resistance anymore. And who are those who resist that? Well, those boxed-in minds, <laughs> you know, those limitations uh, in minds out there. And I say it out freely, and... I see it all the time when I 
you know, you, I'm sure you've seen that also, James, sometimes that you're a group of people and you're going to present something in front of a board or whatever, or you're going to defend a particular situation. And I say, yes, I'm going to say that. And everyone says, yes, we're with you. We're going to say that also. And then you stand there in front of everyone and no one stands up with you. You know, no one dares make waves. And, you know, and, and if they ask, do they have anything to say? No, 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 no. <laughs> and I've seen that several times. They dare not stand up for it. And I don't know how they feel afterwards, but I heard afterwards, well, you know, we should have done that and so on. But how can you respect yourself when you don't stand up for your feelings? See, here, here's what, is what I started to say a, a few minutes ago here, um, that the only way you get respect is to make choices and tell the truth on how you feel. If it feels right, you say yes. If it doesn't, you say no. And even though you don't know why yet, why you're saying no, because it hasn't shown itself, see? Yeah. And that creates patience and trust and faith in the universe and the higher power and spirit, right? And then yeah. that respect that's now established, I believe, is the foundation for love. Personal, unconditional, um, and... How can you love someone, including yourself, if you don't respect them? True, true, true. You know, and I heard that a long, long time ago from a man who was uh, had been married many times, and he was out dating all the time, and he and I were just friends. We were actually neighbors in, in London. <laughs> and he said, you know, to love someone, you really have to respect them first. And then yeah. I said, well, you know, you have to go out with other girls. <laughs> Uh, and there is something to that too, but you have to respect yourself first. That then, I you know, didn't know at that time, but that is the truth. True right. thing number one: you have to respect yourself first. Well, and that comes from making wise choices and saying no when you don't want to do something and your heart's not in it, even though you don't know why yet. Yeah. So making the choices creates respect. Respect is the foundation for for real love, and then love is the foundation for honor, and respect and love and honor is human dignity, and you can have all the money and fine cars and power and prestige and um, wealth in the world, but if you don't have respect, love, and honor and dignity, you will not be happy in this world consistently. I don't think it's possible. That's very true. You cannot, uh, and going back to being a winner, you have to have those feelings for yourself, you know, yeah. to, to be a winner. Uh, although I know there are people are regarded in the eyes of others as, as winners, you know, they're mm -hmm. regarded to be winners, but they, those people don't see themselves as winners because maybe they know exactly how they got to that point and they don't respect themselves somewhere. In their That's heart. it. That's it. Yeah. They're locked into the earthly side and the mind, and they get sidetracked or stuck or lost out in the world because they've lost their commitment or their contract with spirit about what it is that they really want, where they're following their purpose and their passion, like we did, we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the universe is not going to hand it to you on a silver platter. You know that, right? I mean, you know, uh, I know that, and uh, I have uh, said that uh, my first job ever in this, uh, after I graduated from college, was 
to be a teacher, high school teacher. And then I came up with something, and I said a few things, and now you have to do this. And someone said, that is not fair. And I said, it's one thing you have to learn in life. And I was just like 20, so <laughs> I don't quite young. And I said, it's one thing I have found out. Life isn't fair. You better get that in your head. And then I said, why are some born that way? Some are born that way. Some are born in prison and some are born in freedom and everything else. Learn that you have to make the best out of it. And if you want to be good at school, learn the rules. And, you know, they'd like to hear that. Mm. This was tough for them. No one had dared say that. Everyone said, well, of course. The other teachers said, oh, yes, life is fair. And I said, no, it's not fair. Get to know it. Bang. <laughs> you have to make something out of it. You know, I believe that, the, that a genius lives in the soul of every human on earth. That what lives in what did... Hmm? I didn't hear, sorry. I believe that a, that a genius lives oh, in genius. the soul mm -hmm. of every human on earth. And our number one purpose in life should be to go inside, no matter how long it takes, no matter what else is going on in our life, no matter how the world has sidetracked us, or how much we've been locked up on making money and surviving, that the greatest purpose in life should be to go inside and bring that genius out and the full purpose and the passion and set it free. And then that light, that's what you call the spiritual path. When a person has found that, and they, they're doing their thing, and they, now they're the light. And then they, they light the path for others. They carry the torch of greatness yeah. within themselves. The seed you is know, there. that makes one feel so good when you say, oh, and within me, that is the genius. <laughs> that is the genius within me, and I should now bring it out and use it. Wow. It, it, it's a happy message, you know. That's something, again, to celebrate about us. And then, you know, like some of the great creative artists and philosophers and scientists that have found that genius, once they find that, maybe before they wanted to be have greatness in their life, <clears throat> and then once they find that, that genius, it humbles them, and they, instead of becoming ego-based and haughty and proud, they become humble. The humility yeah. takes over. And but, then that, that openness and that heart energy is the light, and then they help other people, and they give other people hope. Like, come on, you can do it. I did it, and you can do it. It's yeah. in you right now. All you yeah. have to do is put all this sidetrack stuff away and get a, a direction in your life, which is to go toward your heart, open up your heart, and find your spirit, and go for it. You can do it. I know you can, and you will. It's your purpose. It's your mission. So yeah. life is sacred and valuable and honor it in all of its forms. Yeah, and yeah. this is nice, you know, and you say this to people, and I know that you have such good respect from people because you don't come up with all those predictions or anything. No, you just give them the hope and the feeling that they're worth something. And that is what, you know, people want to, be, they want to feel good. We have you know, to make them feel good about themselves. <clears throat> I was asked to speak to a Masonic group called High Twelve not too long ago. Um, and there was a woman, her name is Helen Stevens, uh, who was wife of um, 
the president of that group. Um, it was a Masonic male group, but the, the women were there, right? Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Stevens reads my column in the Hometown News, and she loves the paper. And this is a group of mostly retired people who search for ways to help young people to get good educations, and their whole life is devoted toward that. And Mrs. Stevens greatly inspired me with her youthful attitude, and she had zest like you can't believe. And and I asked her, I said, what is your secret? You know what she said to me? She said, no matter what your age, never stop learning. You're never told to learn something new and think about things in a different way. You know, that is is such a great inspiration to me that I wrote a column about it. Oh, that's good. But this is exactly it, that uh, we don't really lose our brain cells because we're getting older. We are losing our brain cells because we start using them, and it has nothing to do with age. And they, we didn't know that before, but now we know that, and this is the way it is. Uh, that uh, as we're getting older, we are supposed to just keep on going, you know, and go and learn things. And I have a woman client who comes to me quite often, and she is uh, in her 70s. She's starting violin lessons now. <laughs> and she drives really far to go to those violin lessons. Uh, and uh, she, she's in her 70s somewhere, and she she's out going to to uh, to the happy hour to meet nice people, and uh, if she can meet some nice guy, always of course younger because there are no more guys in the 80s, I would think, to, to go to happy hour. <laughs> so she's out there, but she's young and she's not aging. Mm-hmm. She looks fantastic and she dresses youthfully and she's great. Do you know who the um, um, famous um, counselor, psychologist, Milton Erickson, have you ever heard of him? No, Erickson. not really. All right. He he was very famous. Um, he's passed now. But um, he had a very, very, he had a worldwide clientele. He was based in New York for most of his life, I think. And there was this doctor that had a, um, his mother was older, and she was around 75 or 80, and she was, like, really depressed, and she was suicidal. And Erickson and this doctor went, or the doctor came to Erickson's office, that's the way it works, <coughs> and said, Doc Erickson said to him, says, what did your mother love to do when she was younger more than anything else? And he said, she loved to grow African violets. And I didn't. I, Erickson asked the doctor, does she still do that? And he says, no, she hasn't done it in 10 years or so. I said, here's what I want you to do. This is Erickson talking. He said, I want you to go to a nursery and buy her a potting table and several bags of soil and some pretty um, pots and some beautiful foil, different colors of foil and ribbons and some cards. And I want you to get her interested in potting and growing African violets again. And then at her church, or uh, she knows somebody that's given birth to a new child, or um, there's a wedding, any kind of a special occasion, I want you to encourage her to pot those African violets, put them in this beautiful pot, write a card, and give that to the person 
that is having the special occasion. And the doctor said, I'll try. And she took root with that, and within a short time, like a month or two, she was happy. She couldn't wait to get up in the morning. Her life totally changed, um, and she became known as the African Violet Lady in her community, and she lived a long, long, long life, upwards of around 90 or 95. And she, she was ready, and it was all because she was doing what, what she loved. Yeah, she had a purpose with her life, and it's such a beautiful and simple story and what we all can do with our lives, you know. See, and, and if you don't have, doing what you love, yeah. you better find it. Yeah, and you see people when they retire that, um, I saw it with my father too, He, he when he retired, that was the day after he retired, that was the day he started to have illnesses. And start to go to doctors and experts in health and professors and he got medication. That was his fun. And in the end he realized that, you know, do you, he even said, do you know the doctors keep on raising the fees because I really don't need to go. <laughs> and after a while he came to that conclusion that he had put his, his attention onto his health mm. and what was wrong with his health instead of maybe doing with it what could have been right instead. So um, now life is, 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 is a remarkable thing, how we in fact are so much in charge of it. And I know people who are unhappy, they say they're unhappy because they are lonely and they have no one to be with and so on. And I give them a little bit of a hard time when they say so. What do you mm. think I'm telling them, James? Mm. You know, well, um, one thing I forgot about that story with Dr. Erickson and this other doctor, um, he did, Erickson only spent about maybe five or ten minutes at the most with this man. Yeah. He didn't go into long, hard details about other stuff. He just spent, gave him that idea. Yeah. Put it in his mind. And then he paid his fee to the doctor, and then... In about another month, Erickson went to his mailbox one day, and here was another envelope from this doctor. And this doctor sent him an, a check, an extra check, for $10,000. Oh, really? Uh, and uh, the explanation was? Uh, it was he he'd saved his mother's life. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying, yes. He, 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 he gave, it was, it was so, he had so much joy that he could not help it, and he, he wanted Dr. Erickson to know what he did for him, and the only way yeah. he could do it at that point was to reward him for the good work that he'd done, and he did, and, and Erickson only spent five or ten minutes with this man. Yeah, <laughs> but I see exactly what you're saying, and this is, uh, you know, we have all that within us. In, you know, home is really within us, isn't it? Yeah, I believe it Home is. is not to go far away, no. And someone has asked me, oh, you're traveling so much. What country are you the happiest in? And I said, I like it everywhere. Of course, you like food better in one country, and you like the housing better in one country, and so on. But no, I'm happy everywhere. And that is what home is. Home is within you. Home is, of course, it's nice to have a lovely home. I love homey homes, you know, and I put up everything around me. I have cluttered homes. Not cluttered, but I have lots of nice little things, and I love having that. But home is not 
my house and my home. And and when the hurricane warnings have come up in Florida, I've always thought, well, if it goes, it goes. You know, I'm still here. <laughs> I will get out. But if the home goes, it goes. That's not me, although it represents me when I'm in it and, and I love being there. But that still home is within me and I take it with me wherever I go. You know, I think that you have to also give recognition to to spirit and keep your, keep feeding your own soul. I think we, you feed your belly, you know. You put gas yeah. in your car. I think you have to feed your own soul or you won't do that in life. Yeah. Just oh, yes, yeah. spirit is. Uh, and I even when I say and I talk to people and I say I think, I usually make a quote in, in the air around I because it's never me. And when I work, I'm the first one to say, oh, not me doing the work. This is this is spirit working through me. I couldn't possibly, possibly do the work as a human being the way I'm working. How on earth could I do that? It, it, it doesn't, it, it breaks all walls and all reason. <laughs> You're not doing work of the world. No. You're doing work of spirit. And exactly. And when you do that, and you surrender your own will, and you stay in that mode, the universe keeps filling you. And, you know, it, it, the law is what we sow, we reap back, multiplied by ten. So you get, every time you do something to help somebody else and give them hope, that comes back to you one way or the other, tenfold, a hundred, a thousand, or a million sometimes. And yeah. you don't know what the source is. You're not, you don't have to know. James, and, last time on the last show, you ended with a poem, and uh, I think we were cut off from there on. Do you have that poem in front of you by any chance now, or do you know it by heart, or could you dig it out? <laughs> I wanted to hear it so much, and then we were cut off. you remember? I remember. Actually, I heard it, but uh, you know, I was stressed out because we were cut off, so I didn't quite listen. Well, but it would I, be nice to have it again. Um, I don't know if this is it or not, but this will this will maybe. I can't remember what that was right this minute, uh, but I will tell you something that I do every morning, and it took me 20 years of my work hearing these things from other people about what they needed in order to get past depression or feelings of lack and hunger and guilt and anger and all yeah. that. And I put together what I call a morning affirmation and meditation. Was that it? It wasn't, but let us hear it. It's still nice to have. Okay, here's here's what I think. This is soul food, and this is what I do, and I'd be happy to get these words to anybody that ever wanted them. And all you know, if if somebody wants this, they have to contact me somehow. And here's here it is. Each morning when I awake, I give thanks and feel much gratitude for my abundant life. I have plenty of everything I want and need to make me happy. I have abundant health. I have plenty of money. I have trust, faith, patience, and freedom to do all the things I truly love. I feel safe and protected. I have a wonderful, loving, and caring family. I have many great spiritual friends. I have plenty of love and happiness. I am using my God-given gifts and talents to help myself and others to lead a rich, full life. 
I face each challenge, bless it, and handle it with ease. I thank it for giving me renewed strength to face life each day and grow in heart and spirit. I wake up each day knowing that more of all these things are on my way. For this and the blessing of life itself, I am eternally grateful. I claim and accept everything in my mind, heart, and spirit. Mine is a great life. All is well. And so it is today and for all my future days to come. That's beautiful. Uh, And could you repeat the last line again? Mine is a great life. All is well. And so it is today and for all my future days to come. And that is so wonderful. And I worked with someone today over the telephone in another country from me here. And we talked about this. She was scared. She had been given the the uh, diagnosis of cancer in her body. And she was petrified of this. And then I said, but, you know, your life is not your future, it's today. And if we look at today, every day, you know, tomorrow, your day will be today also. So, in fact, if you manage to just enjoy today, you wake up with this affirmation like you now told us, and that this is a wonderful day, and you do that day after day, you need not worry about uh, these situations that, you otherwise will have about tomorrow because you know, basically tomorrow doesn't exist. It's only today. That's it. You ever heard and the forget the past. That, you ever heard the saying that the past is a canceled check, the future is a promissory note, and the yeah. present <laughs> is cash? Yeah. Which one of those do you spend? <laughs> yeah. And that's, that, you know, is a language I think people out there understand. And I notice also people want to have something all the time. We want success. We want the good stuff. And uh, and I notice the programs where uh, we are talking about benefits one way or the other. That is the time you have many more downloads now on the Internet programs. People no. really want to have benefits. They want to get something that is good for them. We want happiness. We want good health. We want Money, and that's nothing to to kind of hide that we want money or we would like to have money or we wish for money. Money is okay. Money is good. And sometimes there are some people still today who believe in order to be really spiritual, you cannot talk about money and, and it's not spiritual to bring in the money. And I said, money is spiritual. It's, it's, it's a tool. You can use that for lots of wonderful things, and you can you know, attract that, it spiritually. People that say that and things like that are are spiritually hungry, and they're living from their lack, and they don't have self-worth enough to let abundance happen. It's kind of like in, in every seed in a garden wants to multiply and increase many times over its own seed and bring you an abundant harvest. How could you deny that that is the principle of a positive, successful life, is to have plenty, more than you need? Yeah, and the same goes for happiness, and that people out there, and I have come across that, that 
it's not spiritual to enjoy life. It's not spiritual to enjoy money, to enjoy good food, to enjoy sex, to enjoy travel. You know, all those things. And they kind of put that limitation on them. And that is just not spiritual. You cannot have a limitation uh, on life around you if you are spiritual. You have to be free and open. Well, the life... You know, spiritual life is, a, is an abundant life of everything good. And the, the seven spiritual gifts are to live a life of purpose, um, love, lots of love, in, in peace, healthy, abundant, faithful instead of fearful, and with joy and creativity. Yeah. Those, that's, the, that's the highest form of life. And if yeah. a person is lacking any of those things, what they've done is they have blocked their flow and they've let life and they've become polluted mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or in their body. And you know, a, a stream or a river, if you block it, it'll get polluted and the fish will die. And you know, if you block thoughts through fear in your mind, you get neurotic or worse. You get, you get mentally ill. You get depressed, uh, seriously get, depressed. And then uh, if you block your feelings, you get sad and depressed, see? Yeah. Feelings, see, everything's got to flow. And it's, but and uh, flow depression is in a way uh, that people are scared of uh, freedom. Uh, and this happens if someone has lost a job or something and they have been so locked into this job and the security of the job that if the walls of security will fall down around them, they get terrified, petrified, they get depressed. You know, we talked about that the last time. I think that the main reason for that is fear of commitment. Um, because if you if you want to if you want something and you truly want it and you 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 write it down and you make a contract with spirit, then you put you past the fear of commitment. But the reason people don't act or get sidetracked or stuck is because they haven't made a commitment. You got everything to is a commitment. That's also the basics of getting well, of healing, that people have to make a commitment to get well. And I found that uh, when people are paying, so to so speak, for, for uh, so-called healing, if they don't pay, if they don't have that exchange of energies, they don't make the inner commitment of getting well. And I I've seen that, that again and again, and I'm sure you've seen that also. I see it all the time. Yeah. You know, I think that the inside of us, unless there is some kind of a genetic deficiency in the DNA or the genes, that inside every human is the perfect blueprint for health. And what happens is, is that over the years, the stress, um, all the other the things that we do with our bodies and our minds and the garbage we put into it, it begins to wear us down and take us out. And... But I, but I believe that the perfect blueprint for healing it, no matter what age is inside of us, give, given the recognition that as we get older in life and, you know, uh, we, as we age, they take longer. But we're not supposed to die of a disease. We're supposed to get old and not wake up one day. And I believe that humanity is basically meant to live at least 120 years. I see too much evidence to doubt that. Uh, why are some of the people that live in the high mountains, um, Ural Mountains in Russia, um, that still work the fields in 100 years, and they live, they're, they're known people living 130, 135 years? 
Yeah. Women have been known to bear children at 80 and 90 there. Yes. Um, uh, you know why is, that is? <laughs> what? Uh, no, but of course, they live in a different surrounding. They don't have the stress well, and the pressure on them like we have here. And they live 8 or 9,000 feet in the sky, and yeah. they breathe pure air, they drink pure mountain stream water, and they, they grow organic foods without fertilize, chemical fertilize, see? And they work hard, and, they're, and they live almost double of what people in the Western world here do. Yeah, I still believe stress, and of course we have the stress of pollution, we have the stress of, of, of bad air, and the stress of eating the wrong food, and they can cultivate, they can grow their own food, and of course it's very different. I notice here on where I'm right now in the mountains of the island of Mallorca belonging to Spain, that you feel extremely well here. And people who live here, even those who come to settle here from other countries, they say they don't get sick here the way they used to in the other places. They used to live in places like Frankfurt or Copenhagen or whatever. And there, of course, you have pollution everywhere. And they came here and the wind blows through and the energy is fantastic. And nature helps them feel well. But stress is still the factor, I feel, that makes people sick or uh, to bring out the cancer in them. And I see this all the time in, in my work that... Uh, if uh, someone has a stress factor in the family, uh, they get the problem around their root chakra. And if something is happening in the family where the love is interrupted, yes, they get some wrong with the chest area, like lung cancer or, or breast cancer. And this happens all the time. But then also I feel we are influenced by something called past life. And that is what I see when I work with people, because I see the, the visions or the images around people or within people. When I'm looking for the cause of a particular sickness that no one else can explain, they've gone to all the doctors, and of course then eventually they come to me when there's no other way of getting well. And I just look at them and I see the image of a past life that has been hooked on to them, and taken a hold on them, and that has been making them sick. And then we have to remove that particular memory, and they're well. This you cannot do with a regular medical surgery or the psychological treatments. No, this you have to do spiritually, That's it. and it works. You know, I believe, and I, I don't like to use negative words, and I don't think this is. It's just to illustrate what you're talking about. But we we there we don't it, it lives below the surface of our consciousness and there could be a curse that was put upon us by our family or something that's in our blood uh, and we carry that from one generation to the next and when there are very few people in this whole world and you are probably the very best in the whole world for removing those things and I know that from knowing you for many many years um, and you cannot get that from a doctor, you cannot get it from a minister, you cannot get it from a psychologist, like you said. No. It has to come from... Uh, from a different angle, from a different dimension, and you have to enter that dimension where this has put itself. And then once you do that and you see it all, then it's very simple. But at that very moment, I, Helena, have to be one with spirit and have that total trust 
the spirit is doing that. And at that time, the the client or the object, so to speak, is totally part of it without knowing it. If a person tries to be helping, it doesn't work. You know, sometimes you have people who are very knowledgeable. They have read all the books and they know all the process and how one does it. They know the procedure and they say, yeah, I know all this. I understand everything. I believe all in it. It doesn't work as well as the one who says, oh, I'm so sick. I really don't care. Do whatever. I'm relaxed and I, I'm, I'm here. Do what you want. You know, that works very well. It's like for the animals. It works very well with animals. And with little children, children is just like, whoops. <laughs> and, you know, it works. And it's amazing with little children how well it works. And we have seen that over and over. I don't touch them. I don't see them. I just talk to their parents. And we just send our energy to that child. And it works. Actually, I read the child through the parent, through the love of the parent, and it works. But, of course, the parent has to love the child. (laughs) God bless you, Helena. Well, thank you for saying so. So, uh, but this is such an interesting field, and uh, one can go on and on and on, and scientists have nothing against this. It's just that you have those skeptics, and they they do so much harm in trying to stop this particular process. In the, uh, why don't you try to find out a little bit more about it, instead of just condemning it uh, from the start? And, uh, you know, that really has hurt a few situations when you have those young, uh, I, I almost call them idiots, you know, uh, it, it's judgmental to say so, but they do not even try to understand that there is a life outside of their blocked minds. Because there is a life, it's just like someone who is put in a house without windows and they're not looking out through the windows, they're not opening the door to peek out and they, my God, they wouldn't even dream of leaving that house because then they get out of their security and they might even see, get the breeze of fresh air and get to change the ideas. But we have to open up people's minds and get away from this ignorance out there, uh, because I think ignorance is what stops this world to move ahead. And that is what creates the misunderstandings and the lack of love out there in life. Uh, James, we are uh, having just a few seconds left on this particular show. We are going to continue uh, our recording For those out there who are listening live, this show is going to end in just a few seconds. But James and I are going to continue the show, and it's going to be recorded, and you're going to listen to that next week, and we are going to have more words of wisdom. Thank you very much. Uh, James, can you uh, please say the home page that you have? And my home page is speakingtoyourheart.com. And James, how can people reach you? Type in personalspiritguide.com. That's my website. And uh, you are in Jensen Beach in uh, Florida. 
and I am in uh, Europe. I will be in Stockholm, Sweden, end of this month and beginning of September and give a workshop on the 6th of September. I thank everyone for being here with us, with James Tucker and myself, Helena Steiner-Hornstein, for today. And welcome back, everyone who has not been listening for a little while, because I had the show in Swedish for a little bit, and we're going to be back in Swedish another time, but not yet for a couple of months. So now it's going to be English-speaking month, month after month. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, James. 